We've been having a great study in the book of Esther on Wednesday night. The Lord is blessing us and helping us. And this past week, I spent some time talking about waiting. And as I processed through Wednesday night's lesson and seeking the Lord for what he would have me to share this morning, I kind of felt that check in my spirit. So today I want to talk about the urgency of waiting. The urgency of waiting. Isaiah chapter 40, if you'll turn there with me in your Bibles. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning at verse 25, says, To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might. For that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, we need your touch today. We need your strength and your grace. We need your help. I declare like the psalmist did in Psalms 92, that I shall be anointed with fresh oil. God, I do that by faith after preparation for this moment, for this time. For if you do not anoint me, God, then our efforts will be in vain. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. May we be deliberate in communicating the Word of God in such a way that it takes good root in the soil of our soul. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace to us today. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. The urgency of waiting. True story. As bizarre as it may sound, a pastor in a neighborhood found that a kitten 
had climbed up a tree in his backyard and was afraid to come down. The pastor coaxed and offered warm milk, and the kitty still would not come down, being afraid. The tree was not sturdy enough for the man to climb, and so the pastor had an idea that if he tied a rope to his car and attached it to the tree, he could drive just a few feet, he could get the tree bent down just enough to get the kitten. And as he inched his car after tying it with a rope to the tree, he would check periodically and everything was going fine until suddenly he, he realized he went too far. And the rope broke. And the tree went boing. And the kitten instantly sailed through the air. The pastor felt terrible. He walked all over the neighborhood asking about the kitten. He even prayed, Lord, I commit this kitten into your care. A few days later, he was in a grocery store and met one of his church members, a neighbor. He happened to look into her cart and was amazed to see cat food. Now, this woman was a cat hater, and everyone knew it. So he asked, curiously, why are you buying cat food when you hate cats so much? The neighbor said, well, I have a little girl. She'd been wearing me out asking for a kitten. And so I said one day, well, if God gives you a cat, I'll let you keep it. The mother continued, I watched my child go out in the yard and get on her knees and ask God for a kitten. And pastor, you won't believe this, but I saw it with my own eyes. A kitten suddenly came flying out of the blue sky with his paws outspread and landed right in front of her. The moral of the story is, it's always good to wait upon the Lord. <laughs> the urgency of waiting. Those words don't even seem to go together. In our microwavable society, in our technological-driven times, in our at-your-fingertip age, it seems impractical. It seems lazy. It seems slothful. The idea of urgency and waiting, they almost seem like oxymorons or antonyms in the same title. After all, urgency implies this is the moment. This is the hour. Something must be done. It's, it's time to be expedient. And so we make a decision. Society pressures us. Family pressures us. The, the, the situation, the circumstances we find ourselves in puts us in this box and we send the paperwork, and we, we make the purchase, and we sell the business, and we rush into the marriage, or we leave the job without having another door opened for us. Instead of resting in the Holy Spirit, we're rushing with society to take care of the next issue and to do it quickly. And as your pastor, I, I, I felt the Lord would directed me that maybe there's some folks in the house this morning that you're at some crossroads in your life. And we know that in those crossroads, sometimes we're prompted of the Lord to move. And when the Lord prompts us to move, we need to move. 
But I want you to also know that it is just as biblical to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And if you're not getting a clear and definitive direction on what you are to do with a particular place that you find yourself in, I believe that God wants you to know today that you are to wait upon the Lord and watch Him work on your behalf. We just don't wait enough upon God. And yet the Scripture admonishes us. As a matter of fact, we are commanded to wait. Psalms 27 and 14. It says, wait upon the Lord and be of good courage. And He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. That is a command from God to us. Jose tells us to wait upon our God continually. In other words, don't get in a hurry. The command is to slow down. Not only is a command to wait upon the Lord, but we also find in the Scripture that we are to talk ourselves into waiting. Some of us need this. We know the command. We just don't obey it. And sometimes we just need to tell ourselves. Did you know it's okay to talk to yourself? Anybody that says you're crazy for talking to yourself? Uh, it's biblical to talk to yourself. You know, these days you walk down the road and, and, and you see people who got these funny looking things hanging out of their ears and you think they're talking to themselves. It's, it's just their Bluetooth. I don't know why it's a Bluetooth and it's attached to their ear. But anyway, the bottom line is they're, they're talking to someone on this contraption hanging out of their ear. And I don't know about you, but it causes me a pause. I'm thinking to myself, who in the world are they talking to? Have you ever done that? You walk in a store and you see someone walk down an aisle and they, and they got this conversation going on and you're going... I don't see anybody else around. But did you know it's biblical? In fact, Paul wrote and said, speak to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And in, in Psalms chapter 62 and verse 5, the psalmist said to himself, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. We are, as there is Father, Son, and Spirit. We are made in the image of the divine trinity. And we are made up of body, soul, and spirit. And sometimes body needs to talk to soul. And body needs to talk to spirit. And they need to communicate with each other and say, you know what? You're moving too quick. You're moving too rashly. You need to slow down, take a deep breath, and trust God to work this thing out. And refuse to move unless He prompts you to move. Some Sometimes we need to talk to ourselves. So we're commanded to wait. We're admonished in Scripture to talk to ourselves and talk ourselves into waiting. And then finally, we are, we, after we've embraced the command to wait and we talk ourselves into waiting, and then we have to get to a place that we make a declaration that we are going to wait upon the Lord. It becomes our posture. It becomes our stand. It becomes our spiritual maturity as we grow in Christ. People begin to recognize and realize we don't move as quickly as they like for us to. We don't, we don't uh, make decisions as quickly as they think that we should. Uh, and that is because we have taken a position that before we make this purchase or enter into this contract or enter into this relationship, we're going to take some time to call upon the name of the Lord, seek the heart of the Heavenly Father, because He knows much more what is best for us than we do ourselves. <laughs> so then we make that declaration. He went from embracing the command 
And then he, he talked to himself about waiting. And then in Psalms 25 and 5, he says these words, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and on you do I wait all the day. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying today is that when you wait upon God and you get that urgency in your spirit, when you make that kind of declaration, you are acknowledging, number one, that He is your way out. God, you are my salvation. You are also acknowledging that during this time of waiting, there's going to be some teaching moments. He's going to lead you in His truth, and He's going to show you some things that you would not have seen had you been rapidly moving Without consulting him. You are saying with all of your heart. God I know you're at work. And if I have to I'm going to wait for you all day long. All week long. All month long. I'll wait for you a solid year if I have to. In other words this is too important for me to run into it rapidly. I'm going to be patient and wait for God to set things up. And I'm going to watch him work. And when it's all said and done. It's going to be for my good and his glory. And there's going to be fruit that comes from it. Because. I refuse to move too rapidly. Instead, I am waiting upon the Lord. I don't know who this is for today. But you get the command to wait. And then you talk to your own soul about the value and the need to wait. And then you make your declaration to wait. And then when you've done that, it comes full circle for the one on high. The one that knows the numbers of the hairs on your head. The one that knows when the smallest bird falls out of the sky. The one that commands you to wait. That loves you with an everlasting love. He makes you promises. That changes your life. And he tells you, when you wait upon me, you will find supernatural strength like you have never known. Like you have never seen. And you will be able to run and not be weary. And you will be able to walk and not faint. I want to tell someone today, let me just share, God has some positive things that he wants to deposit into our spirit today. For we say things are impossible, but God says all things are possible. You say, I am too tired. God says, I will give you rest. You say, nobody really loves me, but God says, I will always love you. You say, I can't go on, but God says, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness you say I can't figure things out God says trust me wait on me and I will direct your steps you say I can't do God says you can do all things you say I am not able God says but I am able you say it's not worth it God says it is worth it all you say I can't forgive myself God says but I have forgiven you and cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. You say, I cannot manage. God says, I will supply all of your needs. You say, but I'm afraid. God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. You say that I am worried and frustrated. God says, if you cast your cares upon me, I care for you. It's time, children of God, to take a step back and say, you know what? I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord in this situation. An urgency behind waiting. An urgency behind saying, you know what? 
I'm just going to rest in the Lord. One of my favorite Bible teachers said something several years ago, and it really took root. He said, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Because at least when you're sleeping, you're not messing things up. Now, he didn't say that part. I added that. But think about it. This craziness of trying to function on three or four hours a night and handling pressures on your own, that's what makes you faint. But they that wait upon the Lord. It is a deceitful trick of the enemy that when you're restless and you're, oh, Holy Ghost, help me this morning, and tired and weak, that you have this knee-jerk reaction without waiting for God. You urgently do something when you should have urgently waited. You urgently put something in motion when you should have sat back and said, God, I, 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 my flesh is wanting me to do this, but there is a uncertainty. And until I get a release from your spirit, God, help me this morning. Before I get a release from your spirit, I am going to wait upon you. See, God is always working for you. One of my favorite verses in, in the Word of God is found in John 5, 17. I allude to it often. Jesus, it was His words. He said, My Father works hitherto, and I work. Now, I know that's not what we see. We see God the Father sitting on the throne and Jesus sitting at His right hand. And we might envision Jesus interceding for us and praying for us. But there's so much more. He prayed for the disciples up in the mountain while they were on the stormy sea of Galilee. He prayed for them, but he didn't just pray for them. He left the mountaintop and he came down and walked on the stormy sea and brought calm into their situation. I'm telling you, Jesus is not just praying for you. He's working on your behalf. So he tells us in Isaiah 40 and 28, God does not faint. He does not grow weary. In another passage, the word tells us that the God that keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. So if, if he's God and he's staying up all night, then there's no need in you losing any sleep. He's watching. He's working. On behalf of those he loves. Maybe this message is for one person in a whole room and the rest of you just have to tolerate it. But someone needs to urgently wait upon the Lord. I've had it. I'm done with them. I'm walking out. Your flesh is screaming this at you. But you're a child of God. You know what the word says. How dare that preacher come by here and preach this to me this morning? You got to give God a chance. Maybe you need to pray a little more. Maybe you need to fast a little more. Maybe you need to get hold of the word a little more. I tell you, you'd do a whole lot more 
trying to get that stubborn companion to come alongside like he or she is supposed to, if instead of running out every time there's a problem, if they begin to start hearing you calling their name in prayer in the other room, you'd be surprised. God can do a whole lot more in a moment than you can in ten temper tantrums storming out the door. My God, help me. I felt that bounce back. We have to wait. We have to trust because God is always at work. If you, don't, if you don't believe that God is at work, listen to this. Josh McDowell, some of you know the name. He said while, I, while he was attending seminary in California, his father went home to be with the Lord. And his mother had died years and years earlier. But he was not sure of her salvation. And it bothered him. It needled him. Was his mom saved? It, it, it became, he became depressed. He became so burdened, concerned about whether his mother had gone to heaven or not. And, and depressed about thinking about what she might have lost. The thoughts began to obsess him. He was consumed with worry about whether his mother had, had made Jesus her Savior. And so this is what he did. He said, Lord, somehow I need you to give me the answer to this. This is wearing me out. So I can get back to a normal life. I've just got to know. He began to pray that prayer with passion. Two days later... He was driving out to the ocean in California, consumed with a burden for his mom's salvation. He went out to the end of a pier to be alone. At the end of the pier sat an old woman in a lawn chair, and she was fishing. And so she asked him as he walked up, where is your home originally? And Josh McDowell said, Michigan. Union City. Nobody's heard of it. I tell people it's a suburb of, and she interrupted. Battle Creek interrupted the woman. I had a cousin from there. Do you know the McDowell family? <laughs> he was stunned. He said, well, my name is Josh McDowell. And the old woman sitting in her chair with her fishing rod looked at him and said, I can't believe it. I am a cousin, a first cousin to your mother. Immediately quickened because of the burden that had consumed his soul. He said, I've got to ask you, do you remember anything about my mother's spiritual life? And that lady sitting there in her lawn chair with her fishing rod, she said, why, sure. Your mom and I were just teenage girls when a tent revival came to town. It was the fourth night, and we both went forward to accept Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Do you understand what happened here? God set him up in California to give him answers from back, way back in Michigan. Let me tell you something. Let me encourage somebody in this house. You are the apple of his eye. Your name is engraved upon the palm of his hand. He doesn't just look at this body as a corporate body he has a personal relationship with every single one of you and he will move heaven and earth if he has to to make sure that your needs are met it's time to decompress it's time to slow down it's time to say god i'm tired of being agitated i'm gonna wait upon the lord i know you're working
working on my behalf and it will be manifested soon enough. God. It was David who was anointed by Samuel, the prophet, as a young shepherd boy to be the next king of Israel. And yet it would be 15 years before he would become king. So what did he do? He said, I'm going to wait on the Lord, Psalms 27, 14. He said in Psalms 62 and 5, my soul wait only upon God. Psalms 25 and 5, all these I've read to you. On you, God, do I wait. The command to wait, the declaration to wait, the communication with himself to wait. All was penned by a man who had to wait 15 years from anointing to coronation. But he knew his times were in the hands of the Lord. Imagine the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. I'm always, this is always staggering to me. It must have been difficult for him to wait for his miracle healing. You see, as he laid at the gate called Beautiful, he had seen Jesus. He had heard about Jesus. He probably heard Jesus heal other lame men and women. But it would not be Jesus physically laying his hands upon him, even though he laid at the gate of the temple. It would be several weeks that would go by, several months possibly that would go by, before two fishermen would walk by him and he would hope for just a few alms from them. And then they would look at him and say, silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says he jumped up, leaping and praising God, and went into the temple. What's your point of sharing the story? I'm telling you, Jesus could have healed him months earlier because Jesus went to that temple. But for some reason, some reason didn't heal him on a given day. It was months later before Peter and John. He had to wait for his miracle. But can I tell you, when he got his miracle, not only was he healed, but 5,000 people came to know Jesus as personal Savior and Lord as a result of the miracle. I'm telling you, here today, if you will, God, I feel the Holy Ghost. If you will wait upon God and not get ahead of God, he will show you things that will blow your mind, and it will be great for your good and awesome for the glory of his name let me revisit David one more time because in one chapter we see an urgency to move and we see an urgency to wait God give us the discernment to know the difference the Kenny they're facing the Philistines First Chronicles 14. Philistines are coming in upon David and his army. What did he do? He inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, 
Go up. Go up. Go up at once. For I will deliver them into your hands. So David and his army moved. God gave them the victory. We shout. We celebrate. You know, we're people that walk by faith after all. Sometimes you got to wait by faith. Because the Philistines came back again in the same chapter. <laughs> There's another battle. And the Philistines are coming in against them again. How many know that our ways are not God's ways? That His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And you know what? He's God. He don't have to explain why to a soul in this place. He just wants you to trust Him. The Philistines come pressing in again. Well, automatically we would assume, well, we took him out the first time. Ah, but he inquired of the Lord again. You know what the Lord said to him? The Lord said to him, wait. This time I don't want you to go up. I want you to wait. And while you're waiting, I want you to be listening listening and i want you to hear the sound in the top of the mulberry trees when you hear the sound in the top of the mulberry trees then and only then are you going forth into battle for the lord will have gone before you in the first conflict god said go Go now. Same enemy, same chapter. God said, I want you to wait. I want you to urgently wait. Go now in one conflict, but wait now in the next. This is my attempt as your shepherd. the help of the Holy Spirit to unite the unwearied God, the untiring God with the fainting man or woman of God. If you trust in yourself, you will not only faint, but you will fall. You will make it messier than it already is. God if we wait on the Lord by faith we will receive strength for the journey and we will be reminded as we have been today that as we are waiting on him he is working for us Eugene Peterson said in prayer we are aware that God is in action and that when the circumstances are ready, when others are in the right place, and when our hearts are prepared, He will call us into action. Waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal to act before God acts. How many times have we done it? I've been a child of God for a long time. But man, I've made some boneheaded decisions. Right after we got married, I had a $234 car payment. 
or right before I got married. I was getting ready to get married. Had a little Mustang, $234 a month, but I was getting ready to get it married. So I was, I was worried about that car payment. I didn't pray about it. I didn't talk to God about it. I went over to the Nissan dealer and let them talk me into lowering my payment by $50 a month with a $2,000 balloon payment at the end. Y'all thinking, boy, he sure is boneheaded. Some of y'all may be even thinking I wouldn't do something dumb like that. How many times have we made decisions and we didn't even ask God about it? We didn't even talk to God. We didn't even say, what do you think? And we go back after we've rushed into something and it's gone haywire. Then we go back and beg God to fix it for us. I've, I'm, I'm, I stand here as a guilty party and it didn't just happen once. It happened multiple times. We're all guilty of it. Wait. Wait. The command is to wait. Talk to yourself and tell yourself to wait. Body has to talk to soul and spirit. They have to have the wrestling match. There has to be this decision that's reached that you're not going to move until God tells you to move. Then you have to have that declaration. I'm going to wait upon God. It's too important. I, I don't know. I have no idea who this is for this morning. But the ramifications of a decision you're about to make are so far reaching. And I don't begin to understand. I don't begin to understand. Tony, if you'll come to the keys, I don't begin to understand some of the challenges people go through. I don't, under, I don't understand. I've sat across from couples over 26 years of pastoral ministry and, and they're fighting. And they're fighting. And, and sometimes it's not just a hurling of insults. They're, they're throwing punches. And there's children involved. And I've had those couples look at me and they say, I, I love my children. We love our children. We just can't stand each other. And I sit there across from them with a posture out of the Word of God where God says, I hate divorce. You know, that's in there. I abhor divorce or the putting away. That's not my opinion. That's Bible. But yet I'm looking at people that are beating on each other. And yes, there have been times. Brother Fred, there's been times I have, I have said, y'all need to spend some time apart. Because you teach what you know 
but you reproduce who you are. And those children are watching you. And that little girl is going to think it's normal for her husband to beat on her because daddy beat on mama. Or that boy is going to think it's okay to get aggressive with his wife one day because that's the pattern that he knew. Sometimes you just got to make some changes. But I'm looking at some folks today. You love God. You serve God. But part of our, our growth and our faith is to refuse to move in something unless we're released by the Lord to do it. And until we feel that release, we're going to stay the course we're going to continue to pray. God's going to strengthen us. And eventually, it's all going to come together. Would you bow your heads with me? While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, I don't begin to appreciate whatever decision you may be facing. If you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I've got some decisions I've got to make. Your decision may be minor in someone else's eyes, but it's major to you. It's, it's between you and God, but you, you've got a decision. You, you've come to a, a fork in the road. You don't know whether to go right or to go left. <laughs> and you're really at a loss. And you're about to pull the trigger. You're about to make a choice. But you want to know that you know that it's the choice your father wants you to make. Not family. Not friends. Not companions. Not loved ones. But your heavenly father. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. You say, Pastor, I've got some, I got some decisions I need to make. Would you just slip your hand up, put it right back down? Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Come on. Come on. Hands are going up. Just take them up. Take them right back down. God bless those hands. Come on. Come on. There's some decisions I've got to make. everybody in the room, if you would, to stand in your feet. And I want you to join me around the altar, everyone that would. Come on. You that raised your hands, you that didn't, I, I want you to join me around the altar. Come on, everyone that will. Come on in, just for a few moments. tendency to be a very reactive individual maybe that's a defensive spirit maybe it's a short fuse maybe it's a you're just impulsive 
the Lord is, is challenging you today. But I want everyone in this room, just music. I want everybody in this room to just, as a sign of surrender, just lift your hands to the Lord and say, God, teach me to wait on you. You that have decisions to make. <laughs> God, I ask you to heal relationships, heal marriages, heal parent-child relationships, heal those that are broken. The inclination is of the flesh. Come on, lift them up high, lift them up high. The inclination is of the flesh to move reactively. But I'm standing here today and I've heard the command to wait upon you and I'm making a declaration that I'm going to wait upon you and I'm my body, soul, and spirit are having a conference right here around this altar to say, Lord, I'm only going to move when I feel a release to move. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some strength in these altars this morning as their hands are raised and their hearts are opened. God, would you just send angelic strength from heaven to touch them where they are? They're your children, they're your sons and daughters. Some of them are business owners, some of them are, are, are supervisors at their work, some of them are chain, thinking about changing employment or seeking employment or whatever it is, God. Oh, guide them with your counsel. The steps of a good man, a good woman are ordered by the Lord. Lord, order their steps today. May we save ourselves quite a bit of heartache and pain by waiting upon the Lord. May we wait upon the Lord. May we wait upon the Lord. May we trust in you. May we look to you. Jehoshaphat said our eyes are upon you. Hezekiah took a threatening letter from a, a Syrian king and he went in to the temple and he spread the threatening letter out across the altar. God heard his prayer. And in one night, one angel from heaven killed 185,000 of the Assyrian army. God is always at work. So while he works... A lot of times he just wants you to wait and trust. I'm so glad he loves me. I probably wouldn't be here today if I didn't accept that love. But I'm glad he loves me. I certainly have messed up my life more than a time or two. Even since coming to Christ. Because I just didn't talk to him. You know, in the book of Acts, 
they were making decisions and there's one phrase I always love it says it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us in other words Spirit of God you get first call my opinion is really second to what you want 